God, I actually have to do an intro, huh? We're not gonna just fuck around this time? <laughs> like we usually do, every single time? <laughs> Isn't this the intro now? I was just gonna say yeah. that. <laughs> Are we... Oh my god. I'm gonna do an intro. <laughs> okay. I refuse to do this every time. Um, welcome to Turnabout Breakdown, an Ace Attorney podcast where Diego <laughs> and I replay the Ace Attorney series and talk about it case by case. Today we're talking about the ending of Turnabout Goodbyes. You know what makes the intro really hard for this podcast is that I always say replay, but it is technically a replay right now, but from next game onwards it's not going to be a replay for you. It's That's what makes it difficult. <laughs> but I mean, the intro works now, so... That's true. I did, But then I get like... I overthink it while I'm talking, you know. Hmm. Ah, you have time anyway, to figure out the next one. It's true. Well, maybe one day I'll write it down, and then I'll actually be able to do it every time. But that that doesn't really, I think, um, bring the spirit of the podcast, which is uh, very chaotic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do people... I mean, supposedly, like, professional podcasters have, like, a script, at least for the intro? That seems boring to me. I mean... Yeah, I don't think um I don't think it suits the vibe. Hmm. Anyway, hello. I'm Diego. Hi. Hi, I'm Jay. And today we both played a video game and cried about it. And now we're gonna talk about it for a long time. <laughs> I saw playing like uh, two hours ago. I just need time to like decompress after the credits, yeah. basically. Yeah. It's no longer Christmas. Now it's the time after Christmas where we are sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, last, last, like, the first half of this case was also sad. It is sad, yeah. I think it hits different, like, not spoiling anything ahead of time, but how everything comes together, I think. Mm-hmm, I agree. Like, you're basically, like, learning a lot about these characters. Uh, some of them that haven't really, like, actually met before, or, like, really knew about their backstories. So, yeah, I think it's, like, a really emotional ending. Aside from being, like, the actual ending of the first game without counting the bonus episode yeah i definitely think uh the way it ends and then it's like just kidding we have a fifth episode is very funny but uh we gotta get through the end of this (laughs) we gotta get through the end of this first uh before we get started i have to do an aside because i learned something today about mars edgeworth i can't believe there's still information about mars edgeworth out there that i'm just now learning but i'm gonna i'm gonna read you a tweet that i saw only today This was posted... It was posted today as well. So I, I, it's hot new information. Okay. Um, Hot off the press. Yeah. This is a screenshot. It's posted by at Plastic Pink Cats on Twitter. Um, It's a screenshot. Unfortunately, it's an uncredited screenshot. So I'm not sure where it's from. I think it... I think that's the font of the Ace Attorney wiki. So I think it's just a, a wiki quote. But it says, Takumi, who's the main writer on Ace Attorney. Takumi also suggested that Edgeworth listens to Trot. Brackets, a genre of Korean pop music originating in the early 1900s. And I was like, <laughs> I've never heard of Trot, and I never knew this about Edgeworth. So I looked up what this is, and I found a, uh, a YouTube video by the news channel Rooters. Um, I could see that you're clicking on it, Diego. It's, it's like a <laughs> four or five minute YouTube video, so I don't recommend watching the whole thing right now, at least. Okay. But uh, I wrote some quotes down here about trot music, according to Reuters. Um, it has themes like unrequited love and longing. Okay. 
And then they they did an interview with a Korean man in the news news video, and uh, he said, "I listen to her songs when I'm under stress. Her songs heal my broken soul." This was about <laughs> a specific Trump musician. Uh, anyway, so I just want everyone to bear in mind as we talk about this episode that that's the kind of music that Edgeworth listens to. Um, healing music about unrequited love and longing. <laughs> this is so good, like so so good, from like the perspective of the writer. <laughs> Oh, genius! Um, yeah, that was just my—that's my fun Miles Edgeworth aside for today. And now we will do the main Miles Edgeworth talk because that's what this whole case is about. I'm not sure I'm capable of until that new information you just gave me. Like I'm just picturing him with like his expression of of always just listening to like K-pop, and I'm <laughs> just ah, uh, that's great. Sorry, you can go on, but that was like a really cool fun fact. Thank you very much. That's what I'm here to provide. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the opening of this case, I think we both, both of our notes open with yelling at uh, Larry Bones, which is very funny. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the opening of this case, Diego? Well, I, it's just, I say the opening. It's like the second, no, the third day of investigation because we split in like a weird place. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're picking up exactly after, or the day after rather, uh, my search world basically tells us that oh yeah there's something that's been troubling me like this nightmare uh, I've been having for like years now where I basically like commit a murder um, that was like the cliffhanger of the previous episode yeah nowhere like that can be true right and everything's like super grim and dark and you're having like these thoughts about is it like even possible and whatever and Larry shows up of course as a comedy relief and he's like ah and uh, the comment I have on the notes is this intro is so sad, Alexa please play but Cicito instead of Despacito, which is like a dumb <laughs> joke but I try to make it work whereas yours is just like fucking Larry, you know, Caps which is also <laughs> like <laughs> acceptable I mean, we had we had a break in between playing but even like, it goes straight from like you said, it goes straight from Edgeworth being like, uh, I have to tell you that I keep having a nightmare that I have murdered a human being Yeah. and then it cuts to like, Maya and Phoenix talking about this in the right law offices and just, Larry just person is like, like <laughs> I don't even remember what he says but he's just being Larry basically um yeah, and honestly, I think your Butsacito joke, like, it's like, like we were saying at the beginning of this episode, like, it's so the vibes for this, where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't mean this as an insult. It's a very Larry Butts thing to say, where it's like, we're talking about the most tragic thing, and then he's like, here's a dumb pun, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean this genuinely yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in yeah. a great way. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, even from a even from an actual if I was to actually approach this as a critic, which, you know, wouldn't that be um my literal job? Yeah. Um it makes a lot of sense because like you've got this incredibly heavy like trial that we just went through and, and Edgeworth's confession and stuff, and you need some comic relief. <laughs> That's what Larry does through this like whole game, but especially in this case. Yeah. Um, having said that, like the emotional whiplash at times, especially now, is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially after like I think during the first case you're like, haha, yeah, you kinda know like what to expect from the character. But I don't know, he keeps surprising me, like, with his appearances. 
even after like four cases now. Five cases, yeah. sorry. Four cases? For, this is the fourth case, yeah. Four case, yeah. I don't know how to count, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's confusing because we've broken it. This is our sixth episode, so like, it's that's yeah. confusing. Um, but I mean, Larry being here actually serves more of a purpose than just comic relief because we finally get the 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 resolution of some of the backstory that we've been that's been slowly drip fed to us through this game, um, which is about how Phoenix and Edgeworth and Larry know each other or how they became friends in school. Um, do you want to describe this, Diego? Because it's 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 very intense. So yeah, we basically have this flashback of Phoenix. During, like, law school. During, I mean, was it law school during that time? No, no, it was during, um like, elementary school. That's weird. I mean, the, the whole thing is, like, there's this case of Edgeworth uh, lunch money gets stolen in class. And the only, I think, just, like, oh, yeah. So Phoenix had, had like, escaped uh, history class. So basically, like, the whole class puts the blame on him. And they hold this, like, mock trial. In the classroom? Yeah, so I think... I don't know if this is what made you think it was in law school, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Just to clarify. Also. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've seen this in other Japanese media, and I think it's like a culturally specific thing. I, I could be wrong about that, but I've never seen it in um, like British or American media, as far as I know. Is like the idea of like putting on like mock trials for children who have supposedly done something wrong. Wow, that's interesting. So yeah, they're like nine years old in this, um, and yeah, everyone's accusing Phoenix of having stolen Edgeworth's lunch money. Yeah, basically, it's like the teacher is finally like giving quote unquote like her verdict and being like, "That's not nice of you. Like, you you shouldn't be like stealing somebody else's money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should like." apologize to Miles. And he keeps crying and whatever. And then the screen fades to black, just as it happened in Trials. And there's a big objection from Miles. Being like, he shouldn't apologize because like he did anything wrong and the other couldn't blame on him without any evidence. And he's like, but you're the one who like lost the money. Yeah, so basically, like you said, Edgeworth comes to his defense. And also Larry Larry backs him up as well. Larry was out of school on the day, so he's like the only one who doesn't turn on Phoenix except for Edgeworth. But basically Edgeworth really wants to emulate his father, who's an actual defense attorney, so he gets like way too into this uh trial. Which is why like uh, that's why I wanted you to describe it, because your note on this is this memory broke me and then healed me, which is very um better than mine, which is Edgeworth being a fucking nerd. <laughs> Saves the day. <laughs> it's just two very different takes on this flashback. I think it was very good in terms of like backstory. Yeah, I think um I think it's easy like for me, I think I was being a little bit globe about it because it's kind of funny. Like, I mean it makes sense, especially in a fictional like in fiction, for um something to happen when you're a kid to have like a huge impact on you. But then like it is very, it is kind of funny that, like, Phoenix's whole, he so wants to defend people who don't have anyone to defend them, and it all comes from that one time when Edgeworth did that for him, which is very, it's very, very <laughs> intense. <laughs> and I think if you take it seriously, it works really well, but um, I've seen it enough times now that maybe I'm like, this is also kind yeah, of funny, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, 
And then, of course, we go straight from that into the part where Phoenix is like, oh, and then I lost contact with Edgeworth for a long time because he moved after his father died. And then I saw in the newspaper this news article about him being the demon prosecutor, you know, supposedly forging evidence and so on. And I refused to believe that was real. So I sent him a bunch of letters. I kept trying to contact him and he never wrote me back. So I became a lawyer so that he would be forced (laughs) to see me. (laughs) Extremely normal life path. Yeah. Phoenix, right? yeah, it's basically like the gay urge to become your love interest or rival, so it's stop ignoring <laughs> your messages. Yeah, Phoenix and Edgeworth is supposedly uh, rivals to lovers, you know, kind of, but it also should be, it's also like, why are they rivals? It's because Phoenix Wright was already <laughs> obsessed with him. <laughs> and then there's another great line where Phoenix is talking about how he wants to defend Edgeworth in the way that Edgeworth defends him, which was which is extremely cute. But then he says, um, I'm the only one who knows the real Edgeworth. And Larry also was their friend this whole time, just standing <laughs> right there like, uh, excuse me? It's very, um, I don't know, it's a great scene. It's a great, like, it just goes to show how important Edgeworth is to the whole heart of this game and to Phoenix as a character. But of course... Uh, it basically just the whole game hinges on those two being those two. <laughs> and this is a great scene that really like brings that whole thing out. And then also there are some parts of it that are just extremely funny. And I think that's the uh, that's the Ace Attorney experience in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, maybe it's like a simple story thing, but you never actually like expect them from like, from like the, the first moment you start playing Ace Attorney. Uh, be like, oh yeah, I'm sure like, like they know each other, like Miles and, and Phoenix know each other. It's like, it's kind of unexpected, uh, but it's like developed well. Uh, I mean, it takes it takes like several cases to like actually get into the, like the details that we're seeing here in the flashback and some other stuff. But I don't know. I think it's handled like really well, and it helps with the emotional gut punch. I think of this case. Yeah, you're right. I think now that you mention it, like we missed a lot of that in a way, and I feel like most people will now if they're playing Ace Attorney for the first time, like today. Um, because you already know about Phoenix and Edgeworth in a way, even if you don't know them completely, like, it's so well known about the games that it's about those two, and that Edgeworth, you know, is really important to the to the games, and, like, their rivalry is central. Um, and, you know, you, you're bound to know some things about it, whereas, like, if you're playing this game for the first time when it just came out, like, the way that Phoenix is very cagey about their relationship, and, like, in the last case, I remember... There's like a moment of surprise where Maya's like, oh, you two knew each other when you were kids. And I'm pretty sure like that's supposed to be the player's reaction as well. But like, you just don't, I don't feel like many people playing it now would get that. Um, and we definitely talked about it before I came up in the in the game, which is probably <laughs> my fault. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting how it plays out like that. Um... Yeah, so after we have this this conversation, we go out to investigate again. We very briefly meet Gumshoe and uh, Grossberg, and then we do an investigation of the of the boathouse, and we find a letter in the safe which describes exactly how to carry out the murder, which seems like pretty big evidence. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then we go and see Edgeworth at the detention centre, um, not to get way too deep into a scene again because we just did that with the Larry and Phoenix scene but also I have so, so many notes about this conversation so <laughs> buckle up okay. first thing Phoenix says to him you look as grim as always rude also <laughs> very funny um, Maya's like oh uh, I just heard about the class trial and, and Edgeworth is like what the fuck are you talking about 
And um, I think that's a really cute detail that like Larry and Edgeworth both don't really remember this and it's only really something that's important to Phoenix. Uh, I think that's great. And then when Phoenix reveals that he became a lawyer to meet Edgeworth again, um, which to be honest, if someone said that to me, I it would be way too intense. Like, that would be way too intense for me. I would be like, Phoenix, you gotta chill <laughs> the fuck out. Especially, like, Edgeworth, who's extremely, like, repressed, right? Like, it, it's too much. However, Edgeworth apparently is like, yeah, okay, fine. He says, uh, he says, yeah, that sounds like something you would do, is what he says specifically. Um, and he says, you haven't changed at all. And, and Phoenix replies, I think you changed too much, Edgeworth. To which he <laughs> says, perhaps. It's all very gay and very, um... God, you just get these you just get these little insights into how Edra's thinking is changing and they're so subtle and almost certainly I read too much into them because the fan base is like built on them for 20 years and that's what makes these games <laughs> so good in a way. <laughs> but like, oh, they're such good moments. They're so good for like um and games do this a lot, uh, where they give you like they can't get into it too much but they give you just enough that if you want to spit it out yourself and write 500 fanfics <laughs> about it, then you can. And boy, have people. I love that. Um, they talk about DL6 some more. Uh, Edgeworth says that he became a prosecutor because the murderer in his father's case got off the hook and he didn't want to defend people because he believes that that was an unjust ruling. What actually ended up happening is that the third person who was in the elevator for them, his name's Yana Yogi, his lawyer, which was Robert Hammond, who died in this shooting, um, argued that because he was suffering from oxygen deprivation, he uh, couldn't be held accountable. Which I think is, there's a lot of strange things about DL6. One of them being like, the whole thing about this game is that defense lawyers like lose all the time. And yet, um, Hammond won this case and Yanni Yogi was released based on that argument. And it's, it's difficult to pass, right? Because the argument itself is not necessary. Like it is, that is definitely a complicating factor in the case. But the morality of Ace Attorney and not just in the, like in the system, which is obviously hmm. written to be flawed, but the actual morality of the game itself and the story and the narrative they're telling is really um, black and white. Um, so they kind of argue that if Yanayogi had shot somebody while he was like in this state of being basically completely... I mean, the thing is, it, it's co <laughs> it's complicated to talk about because... Uh, it's also not, like, a real thing. Like, I'm pretty sure you can't, like, you don't lose your mind because of oxygen deprivation, so it's, it's, it's difficult to talk about, right? But they just don't really address how that would actually complicate the case at all, um, except for the fact that it did actually work, which I guess in this system where, like, 99% of defenders get found guilty, it's, that's something at least. Although I did want to, I did want to note, like, jumping ahead a little bit, later we talked to Grossberg about this case, and, um... Grossberg says that one of the things about Robert Hammond is that he only worked for his own gain and he didn't really believe in his clients, which in, which in Phoenix Wright terms is like the biggest sin, right? right. Because the whole thing about yeah. the defense attorneys is like they believe in people down to the, down to the core. Um, but then like the thing about uh, what Grossberg says about Hammond is like Hammond really believed in himself and he really believed in his ability to 
to get people off the hook. And if that's true, then like he must have been a really good lawyer because statistically he shouldn't have been able to get hardly any of his clients off the hook, right? So I don't know, like I just found that a little bit confusing and maybe in a way where it's like, it's not that deep. They just, there's a few contradictions in this game. Um, but I think there's a lot to think about there if you want to take it too seriously, which of course I do. Yeah, I can't even think about it that way, actually. Like how, how much he stands mm. out from the norm. At least the norm that we have been seeing. Of course, I have no idea what happens uh, in like later, later games. But yeah, it's, it is a weird standout. I mean, it has like the other side of the standout for like the other character who's involved. But that's more of like a personal motivation and like a career thing and not just like the theme of the game. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um the uh the uh, oh my god. So I there's so much going on in this conversation. Immediately after this, Edgeworth says, um uh he basically he's talking about Von Karma. He says Von Karma has never um has always convicted everyone who's who he's prosecuted. And he admits that some of Von Karma's convictions might have been innocent, which I think is a big step from where he was in, in the second case, because he says like he believes the police always do their job correctly um and therefore he believes that all the people who he's convicted have been guilty so this is actually a change of argument from him even though it's still sort of bad <laughs> he also says my karma was just doing his job so like what else could you expect from him which is no. um not not a good argument either uh i think this feeds into future arguments that Ace Attorney, well not arguments that it makes, but the way that they kind of reconcile this idea in the future, this is, this is not a spoiler, but it is, it is talking about things in the future, but I'm gonna say it anyway, is that, um, basically Edgeworth and Phoenix come to believe that the way to do a proper trial is to have both prosecutors and defense attorneys, like, having all the evidence and, and working together in a way where, if they both argue their side of the case forcefully enough, uh, you know, if they both argued perfectly, then the truth would always come out. That's basically what they end up saying. And I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> but we'll get to that. I think um, Ace Attorney talks a lot about a lot of valid problems with the legal system and doesn't necessarily know what the solutions are. <laughs> that's my argument for right now. But that's definitely something that we'll be exploring more in the future. Okay. I'll put a note on that. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then we, so, we, we, we go back to DL6. Edward suggests that Yadi Yogi might be the caretaker, which makes sense because the caretaker received that letter saying you can get revenge on the other people, so, you know, he, he has, he's, he's involved in the DL6 case, basically, he was the person who was not convicted of the murder, <laughs> but to this point, he's the person who, who we believe might have done the murder, given that there was only three people in the in the elevator, and we want to assume that it wasn't Miles who killed Gregory. Mm -hmm. Um, but Edgeworth Miles, hey, just a, just a fun aside here. Um, I've noticed Diego that you find it quite easy to call Edgeworth Miles, and you do it quite regularly. I <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> His the name's is, Edgeworth. <laughs> uh, it's easier for me to pronounce Miles instead of Edgeworth. So. I'm just oh, lazy, that's fair so enough, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean that makes perfect sense, but I, I find it so difficult to say Miles. Huh. Like, that man is Edgeworth to me. Um 
And then it gets confusing when I'm talking about Gregory Edgeworth, his father. So if I say, if I keep saying Edgeworth and Gregory, you're just going to have to forgive me. <laughs> and um, It's fine. And intuit what I mean. Um, but in Miles' My- dream, he he has this series of events of what happened in the elevator, which is that as the oxygen was running out, um, Yogi became, became agitated, which I think is very reasonable, to be honest, if you're in that situation and you start panicking. Um, he attacked Gregory. Gregory Edgeworth and Miles Edgeworth through a pistol that he found at his feet at Yogi in an attempt to stop him. Um, But unfortunately, the gun went off and Edgeworth thinks that that might have been what killed his father. Now, we talked about this in, I think, when we were talking about the second case, and I forgot that this is where it comes up again. Um, Ace Attorney thinks that all killing is murder, which is not true. And later on, they even get more specific in this. They say accidental murder. It's the Grossberg who says this. Accidental murder is still murder. It's not. It's called manslaughter. It's a different thing. But like everyone in this world seems to believe that if a nine-year-old child throws a gun, it accidentally goes off and kills somebody. That's the same as like shooting someone with a gun. (laughs) And it's wild. Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make sense. And and it's really weird because it's not like, oh, this is a feature of the system, you know, that we're critiquing. It's just what the narrative says. It's very strange. Um, I do want to I do want to bring in uh, yeah, another thing. Here. I'm sorry. I we, we've been on this conversation for a while, but there's a lot to say. Um, there's a pachinko machine <laughs> in okay, in Japan. Ace Attorney has so many spin-offs, right? It has it has the anime it has the stage show. It has um, some live action films, I believe. And it has, it has some other things. But one of the things it has is a pachinko machine that plays. I'm going to have to find this. I don't know why I didn't find it to show it to you on this podcast, but I'm going to have to find it and, and put it in the show notes. Okay. There's a pachinko machine which shows this scene, the flashback to them being stuck in the elevator. And it's animated. What? Yeah, like in the background of the pachinko machine. So you've got all these lights and like music playing like happy cheerful music playing and in the background you've got yogi attacking gregory and gregory is also like shielding uh, shielding miles you know like 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 holding him like hugging him it's so much more emotional than like the flashback that's shown in this where like gregory is just sitting there and edge and miles is like you know separated from him across the elevator but also it's so wild to see it in this like the only footage i've ever seen of it is like you know filmed on a camera pointed at this pachinko machine in the middle of this like parlor you know uh with like this loud music loud lights playing and imagine you're like playing pachinko while this (laughs) while this like guy is trying to protect his son like it's wild what i I don't know what i cannot even begin to think begin to imagine the reasoning behind that it's like why no, I don't know. Like, I understand they might want to, you know, bring in Ace Attorney as a popular franchise, but why <laughs> were they like, yes, the perfect thing to do here is the DL6 flashback where Edward's father is killed. <laughs> and also we're going to make it, like, so much more emotional. Um. Anyway, I think I'm finally done with that scene. Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to add on that or the other parts of the investigation? No, but I keep thinking about there's a pachinko machine. Are there like pinballs or reading games? That's what I'm interested in. That's, that's what I really want from the Ace Attorney franchise. A rhythm game with the, with the Ace Attorney soundtrack would go so hard though. I bet there's like Beat Saber mods, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. There's probably Rock Band mods as well. You should yeah. get on that. Well, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about Rock Band in, in the pod, but 
Not yet. It's too early. But... Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Look up if there's like a, a rock band mod that you can get with the It's Tony soundtrack, if that's possible. And then you can report back on it next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, okay. So, what I wasn't like trying to say to figure out too much from this topic is like, I'm playing like a rock band 4 on the PS4, which is like, if you want like more songs and whatever, you have to purchase them as DLC, blah, blah, blah. But of course, if I were to use the drums on the PC, which I can, because it's just Bluetooth, I can, of course, like, download whichever rock band or guitar hero or just like spin-offs unofficial games or whatever and find all of these things so i'm trying not to think about that so i can restrain myself <laughs> in some way <laughs> because if not i'm just gonna like play that 24 7 and that's that's it for me <laughs> okay but it's for the podcast content right <laughs> We're even, we might, we might be having like a break from recording for a while because we have such a long case coming up. So you can use that time to put in an extra, you know, few hours on, on Rock Band and then have a little Rock Band segment next time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Who knows? We'll see. (laughs) This is all on the record. So you're responsible (laughs) of what you just brought up to the world. So, okay. I'm not joking, but I'm also saying like, no pressure (laughs) if it doesn't happen. We'll Hmm. see. Um, you'll have to tune in and find out, won't you? <laughs> find out more, you know, next episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, Edgeworth tells tells his dream about how he believes that he killed his father, and, um, Phoenix and Maya are both like, no, it's definitely just a dream, don't worry about it. And they go and see Grossberg, because Grossberg knows about DL6. And, um, Grossberg is just like, uh, yeah, that seems real. Like, I have no reason to believe that isn't real. <laughs> and Maya is like, she refuses to believe it. Like, she's clearly upset about it. Phoenix says nothing, <laughs> which I think is really interesting. And, uh, you know, Grosbeck gives more information about the trial. He 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 tells us that Gregory Edgeworth and Von Karma had a, a kind of beef because Gregory Edgeworth, obviously as a defense attorney, was like, this guy's fucking forging evidence and shit. And he, he tried to call him out on that in court and... It didn't work for his case, but uh, Von Karma was, like, penalized for that yeah. in some way. It's not really made clear what happened, but um, there was some some repercussion on him. And Grossberg, Grossberg talks about the spirit channeling where uh, Misty Fay, which is Maya and Mia's mother, channeled Gregory, and, and Gregory accused Yogi of the crime. But Grossberg says maybe he was lying to protect Miles, which is interesting. And another thing which I thought was interesting about it is that Everyone thought that Misty Faye was a fraud, and that's why, like, after that, she just disappeared and, like, left her two children, um, which is obviously, like, a traumatizing thing for them, especially, well, not especially Maya, but we have Maya's reaction here, so it seems um, we, we, we get it from yeah. that angle. Um, but the thing about it is that, like, Grossberg is just like, yeah, that, that was a real channeling. Like, Grossberg has no qualms about that at all. And it's interesting, like, I'm imagining if Mia told him about spirit channeling or even demonstrated in the same way that Maya and Phoenix both just, like, use it, right? Um, which is really curious. Mm. And then uh, if you show the, the letter detailing the murder to to Grossberg, well, you have to to continue, right? But um, this is where I thought that the, the case gets a little bit weird because Grossberg's like, yeah, yeah, um, this is useful evidence and stuff. And then he says, oh, I swear I recognize this writing from somewhere. And um, it says like, oh, who could have written this? And it gives you three choices. And the choices are like Miles Edgeworth, Yanni Yogi, or uh, Manfred von Karma. And like... By a process of elimination, you can figure out that Manfred von Karma is the only answer that makes sense. Because, like, obviously it wasn't going to be Edgeworth, and Yanni Yogi is the caretaker, so, like, he wouldn't have written it to himself. But, like, 
if you weren't given those choices, I feel like it wouldn't really occur to you. Do you know what I mean? I thought that was a bit weird. Like, they really have to get this idea in that maybe Von Karma wrote the letter, but they don't really do it in a way that makes sense outside of the constraints of the game. I don't know if you noticed that or anything, Diego, but... Not in that way. But now that you say, like, in, yeah, with that context, it makes... I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it ma- your argument makes sense. Uh, the the games doesn't. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, I'm not sure it's forceful, is the word. But yeah, it's like they're, they're planting like that seed, kind of like, very not subtly, I think. Yeah. Because at, at, at any point, you're just like suspecting that Von Karma could be involved in all this. At least on my end. Yeah, I mean, from a narrative sense, it makes sense, but... Yeah, I don't know, just the way it suddenly it suddenly came up, like, I don't know, just the way that it was presented seemed weird, but um, I guess it, it works pretty well. If you're not overthinking the whole thing, which of course is the whole point of this podcast, then it's probably <laughs> fine. Uh, this is where they have that discussion about how a- accidental murder is still murder, which it's not. But what I find really interesting about this is that Phoenix at this point finally speaks up and is like, no, like Edgeworth would not have done that, even even accidentally which is like that's not how accidents work but like i'm not saying that in a in a way where it's like critical i'm saying that in a way where it's like yeah that's phoenix right like he he's like no i refuse to believe this happened like i refuse to believe any kind of like edgeworth could have done anything bad even accidentally which is extra funny because it's edgeworth who who phoenix is like yeah he did forge evidence but he wouldn't accidentally kill somebody (laughs) But yeah, that's Phoenix for you. Like, when he's defending somebody, he's just like, no, I refuse to believe there's any way this could have happened, even if it would be completely without their intent or anything like that. Um, of course, because it's Edgeworth, it also does come across extremely gay. <laughs> um, but yeah, because we because we suddenly have this idea with one Karma in our minds, we go to the um, the records room to try and find out more information about DL6, and it turns out that Von Karma is there. Um, allegedly, when we meet him, he doesn't recognize us but uh i'm pretty sure he was pretending to do that for dramatic effect which is very funny very um now that we know that he was edgeworth's mentor um i think we know where edgeworth got some of his drama from although how you said that we see in the class uh trial flashback that he was already wearing like fucking he's a tire yeah yeah. <laughs> so some of that is um nature rather than nurture <laughs> i think <laughs> Um, Von Karma, now we already know Von Karma sucks. It, we're like, more and more we're learning that Von Karma yeah. sucks. But, um, he, he's like fucking extremely mean about Edgeworth. And the thing is, the game keeps calling him Edgeworth's mentor. But he was nine when, uh, you know, Von Karma, like, like took him under his wing. So it's, that's not a mentor. That's like his adoptive father. What? Wait. Um, fucked really? up. Yeah, I as I was saying that, I was like, did they mention that in the game yet? I don't think they did, but it's true. Wow. Yeah, so basically, immediately after, um, when the fuck do they talk about this in <laughs> retrospect? I don't know. I'm going to have to look this up. Should I look this up now? Yes, I'm going to have yeah. to cut this, but... Because um, now I'm feeling like I made it up, but I definitely didn't. I think it's something too big for the game to like not make like a cutscene exactly. or like something. But, but when do they talk about it? Because I'm trying to remember, like... I swear, like, Edgeworth doesn't... Uh, Von Karma doesn't really come up again. Are you sure it wasn't fanfic? I'm just kidding. No, this is what, <laughs> this is what I'm fucking worried about, honestly. Uh, looking at this post, it might have been... It might have been anime exclusive, which makes sense. Which I think would mean that it, like, came later. Um, you know, like, they added it to the game later. They added it to the canon, as it were, later on. Um, 
So yeah, at this point it might not be canon. But anyway, I mean, it's enough like accepted as canon that I think it's a fair thing to say. It is. And now that I now that I've realized this, and I can't believe I realized this only when I was talking about it. The fact that it's not mentioned is like wild to me. <laughs> anyway, either the canon or the commonly accepted canon is that like yeah, uh, von Karma adopted Edgeworth right after Edgeworth's father died, which is fucked up. But but talking about the records room, like, he just admits to everything when uh, confronted by Felix and Maya because he then uh, tases them and uh, takes all their evidence away, which is wild. Hmm. Uh, Maya leaps in front of Felix and tells Felix to run, which is, she's so good. I know we spent, like, half of last episode talking about this, but what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, and then she, and then Phoenix squanders this by not running away and also gets tased and all the evidence gets stolen. And Maya is talking about how she's useless again. And it was literally Phoenix's fault. Yeah, there's something, uh, at this moment, like, he has, a, like, an internal monologue. He's like, oh, she seems down. I should, like, coat her. And he says, I'd better do something about her self-confidence. And I was like, maybe start by treating her well. Fuck, <laughs> like... I don't know. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, I'll prove she's not useless, which is a very Ace Attorney thing where they're like, let's use evidence. Um, Which is at least, like, different from how he treated it last episode. But he's also like, okay, yeah, tomorrow in court, I'll use this proof that she managed to grab off Von Karma, um, which is a bullet, which is like, yeah, okay, great. We know that's going to be useful in court tomorrow. Like, I, we know how the game works. But she's sad now. Like, you can't just be like, he, he couldn't even be like, look, you've got this evidence. I'm sure we'll be able to use it in court tomorrow. Right? He literally just, like, he literally just doesn't say anything. She's like, I'm, I, I think she says at one point, I wish I never woke up from being, like, passed out from the fucking taser. And he just doesn't, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> like, I understand that it's difficult to, like, comfort somebody, but Jesus Christ. Um, however, um, I remember this fan art that I saw recently which I, I had to put in here. It took me like 20 minutes to find this today. So, Diego, please, please feel free to click on this fan art link. And, um... I am clicking. <laughs> so, this is a tweet from at uh, SomniMajors on Twitter. And I'll put this in the show notes as well, uh, along with the other tweet that I was talking about. Um, it says, I like the idea of Maya making kind of crummy little hyper-specific shirts for all their adventures. And it's got a picture of Phoenix and Maya. Uh, their shirts say, sorry, Maya's shirt says, guess who got tased, tased in red and underlined by the famous prosecutor Manfred von Karma. And then Phoenix's shirt says, guess who also got tased by the famous prosecutor Manfred von Karma. And then on the back, they've got little stick figure drawings of them getting tased, which is very funny <laughs> to me. I like the idea of I like this Phoenix and Maya relationship that's portrayed here much more than the one that's actually in the game where Phoenix is useless. Yeah. Oh, no, I want these shirts. Oh my god, I bet you could get them made. <laughs> yes, finally, we come to the trial, unless you have anything to add about this investigation, which I went very long on. Mm, no. Oh yeah, Von Karma looks so fucking weird. <laughs> from the front? Yeah, from the front. It's so weird. Yeah. I don't know if it's like weirder in the uh, this HD remaster trilogy. Well, I was just like shocked at how fucking terrifying he was, which I think adds to the character. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the remaster in part, yeah. but it is it is fucked up. Oh, and also how 
I think it's reminiscent of the samurai case where it's just like the fucking mafia shows up and they don't even like think <laughs> of like reporting that anywhere. Which in that case, well, maybe I mean it's a mafia, but in this case, it's like uh, you both just got taste by this fucking like person that everyone knows about and he just like it's all evidence from the room and everything it's just like they don't even like think about oh yeah we should maybe like just say this to anyone so i don't know if it's just like implied that the police won't fucking do anything or something which i thought it was like funny and i don't know insightful i think yeah it is weird like i feel like they should have said something like oh there's no point reporting this because then it would be like commentary whereas it just seems like they didn't even think about it yeah, I'm just, like, imagining the situation of Poncarma just, like, leaving with, like, a fucking giant folder under his arms. Just, like, super agitated. And then just, like, exiting the room and being like, ah, uh, he just fucking, like, tased us, like, two minutes ago. Yeah, given they're literally in the police yeah. station as well. Like, they had to walk past all those cops to get out. I don't know, it's fine. Is it like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna throw hands in court. Like, not outside court, I guess. <laughs> I mean that is that is a very feeling right thing to do like oh we'll just solve this in court it's totally fine um yeah so then then we get into court now this is very funny um everyone fucking knows that in this court trial you inter- you uh, cross examine a parrot right I forgot that it's like immediate like you have so they 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 do find the caretaker and Felix tries to prove that it's Yogi, but he burned his own fingerprints off, which is very metal. And, you know, he won't respond to any questions in the cross-examination. So basically within five minutes, we end up cross-examining Polly. Like, <laughs> it's wild. And I, I, you remembered this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But God, imagine playing this game for the first time and not knowing about it. I mean, I didn't know about it at first, like during my first playthrough. If I remember correctly, I had, like, no idea about the parrot. It was fucking hilarious, but I didn't remember, like, all the uh, the surrounding dialogue. For example, he gives... Uh, the, the, sorry, Polly, she gives her quote-unquote statement, which is just, like, hello, and then the second screen is just, like, silence. Uh, and I think yeah. the judge should say something like, this is certainly the most concise statement we have got in this court. Something like that. It's a great, great, great scene all around. It really is, but I did... I was, like... Fucking imagine being Edgeworth and being like, <laughs> okay, I, so I've almost been found innocent for this other murder, but I'm having this incredibly difficult time emotionally with this earlier murder that I feel like I committed. Um, Phoenix is like refusing to believe that I did it. Like he's he's really steadfastly on my side. Oh. He's fucking. Sorry, it's been five minutes, and he's cross-examining a fucking parrot. <laughs> like I, like Jesus, it would be wild. Like he's just there, like uh, lost in thought, and all of a sudden he just like wakes up and sees a parrot there and stand, be like, okay. It's so much. Another thing that's wild about this is that it is heavily implied that Von Karma somehow managed to train Polly to not give him away. Because earlier, like you you mentioned it at the end of last episode, I, I had forgotten about it, that Polly said, like, don't forget DL6. Yeah. And Maya and Phoenix were like, what the fuck? Well, she won't say that again. And it's very funny to imagine Von Karma being like, <laughs> I gotta shut this parrot up because I know what Phoenix will do. <laughs> But luckily, you can ask her some other questions, and she will... Well, her name is Polly, and Yogi's fiancé's name was also Polly. And um, 
the safe number which she will tell you is the day of deal six, which is a wild thing to say your safe number to. Um, and also resulted in Von Karma just giving out his pin number <laughs> during the court trial. Like, there's just so much happening here. Yeah, because he's like, my pin number is 0001 because I'm number one. I was like, oh, fuck, why? <laughs> Yeah, and it, it basically it basically ends with uh Yanni Yogi giving up, which is which is a very asatani thing that happens where he has no reason to actually confess to uh, he he just confesses to being No, that's not true. He confesses to to the murder and he confesses to being Yanni Yogi simply because he gets fed up of lying, basically, which is kind of funny. Um, but you know, it's it's storytelling. I'll forgive it. Yeah, I didn't want to like mention this early in case you like Want to like save it up or whatever to this side to like the relation of mm. uh of the character I mean but I think there's like a big of backstory in terms of like his lawyer telling him that he should say in, during his statement that he got brain damage because of the lack of oxygen in the elevator. So I don't know if that was related to like what we were talking about earlier in the episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Yagio is basically like. Not even him, like, believe me after what I say and whatever, but yeah, I mean, something that, that just I had in mind after what you mentioned. Yeah, you're right. And, like, and the thing that he says, which is really interesting, um, and I, I'd really forgotten that it plays out like this, is that um, he, he admits to murdering Hammond, and he admits to, you know, being Yanayogi, but he says, I didn't kill somebody in DL6. Um, which I guess, I guess it does make sense that it plays out like that, because then the assumption is like, well, maybe Edward's nightmare is true because then Yanayogi would have been innocent in that thing. So we have this real tension where you're like, well, we don't want to believe that Edward did it, but like Yanayogi is like admitting to murder already. So it's weird that he wouldn't, that, like it's it's a weird like situation, right? Mm. Um, but it, but it, it unravels pretty quickly. Um, Edgeworth is declared innocent of the lake murder and then immediately is like, uh, we have to hold a second trial immediately because this is the last day of the statute of limitations for DL6 and it was me who killed Gregory. Um, I do want to know that like, when I was first thinking about playing this, I was like, we should split this right after Edgeworth does this, where he interrupts his own being found innocent, but then like, that's like almost at the end of the case. I thought it was closer to the middle, but I think that would have been such a good stopping point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because we have like a little a little recess here. Um, Edgeworth apologizes to Phoenix for wasting his effort, and he also says, "Murder is murder, no matter what the circumstances." Which is another like every character in this game. Like, I mean, it kind of <laughs> makes sense for Edgeworth to say this because like um, he has prosecutor brainworms but like it really is er like it was Grossberg who was saying it earlier who's a defense attorney like it really is just woven into the narrative of this game in a very strange way um and then Phoenix is like no I don't believe that this happened which is again a very Phoenix thing to say this is a very much a parallel to the Grossberg conversation which is interesting um so Edgeworth gives his testimony about his um his memory slash nightmare and Phoenix points out that Edgeworth only remembers one gunshot, but Phoenix believes there was two gunshots because there's like a hole in the in the elevator door and it and it has this incredible like interspersed image of like a faceless man getting shot through the door 
who Phoenix thinks might be um the real killer. And it's I like, oh my god, that image since I was a kid has like stuck in my brain. It's so scary. But like, God, also at one point he says, uh, Von Karma like basically tears his evidence down and says, like, oh, if there was two bullets, then like, why did we never find the second bullet? There's no like evidence for it and stuff like that. And once again, Phoenix is ready to give up. And he says, Wasn't my whole life leading up to today? Which is like, yes. Also, that's a gay thing to say. <laughs> but yes, that's why, like, you're right. Like this, like, I mean, like, okay, so I keep saying, like, oh, that's a gay thing to say, but like that is narratively about how tied together Phoenix and Edgeworth are. Like they're like genuinely, like in a non non-ironically, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm saying they're gay non-ironically as well, but you know what yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. right? Um and then we had a we get some like interspersed moments with Mia. Um, where she's telling him not to give up, basically, and giving him some hints. And it is implied that, like, Maya is channeling her, which, see, this is complicated to me, right? Because Maya is, like, helpful in her own way. We've talked about this so much last week. But, like, even in this episode, she's the one who gets the bullet from Von Karma, which is about to become very relevant. And right after this, she's like, hey, I've just thought of something. Um, Von Karma was really mad at Gregory Edgeworth. He was at the court... And we found out from Grossberg earlier that he took a vacation right after Gregory Edgeworth was shot. What if it was because he was injured by a bullet coming through the door of the elevator and hitting him? Spoilers, this turns out to be true. And like, I just think, I mean, I'm biased because like I said, we talked about this so much last week and now we've talked about it so much this week. But Maya by herself is so important to these cases and without her it would have completely fallen apart like six different times so i almost feel like like mia needing to show up was unnecessary do you know what i mean yeah yeah it's like she she doesn't she can't see like her role like how important her role is in like every single case and i can't blame her because she's fucking like co-worker or like friend or confidant or whatever who's like phoenix doesn't fucking like help with that like never so no it's really bad like i don't remember it being this bad so i'm kind of curious to see how it goes on through spoilers but maya does come back (laughs) she does leave at the end of this case which we will get to but yeah she she reappears i'm curious to see how their relationship develops because it's fucked up in this game way more than i remember it being especially in this case yeah um but getting back to the trial, when Maya suggests that it's Von Karma, Edgeworth for 0.5 seconds is like surprised and then immediately is like, you will not be able to prove this because Von Karma is perfect, which is just so fascinating. Like he accepts that it's true on the spot, which is good because like it, he accepts that like this nightmare he had wasn't true. But it's also bad because like Von Karma is like, even, okay, now that we've discovered that, like, Von Karma being his adoptive parent is, like, not in the game, it's fucking me up so much. <laughs> but still, like, that's his mentor, at least, in the game. And, like, he's suddenly realizing that his mentor killed his dad in this way that was, like, so... I mean, of course it would always be traumatic. But in this way where he believed it was him for all this time, and it happened right in front of him, and, you know, all this... Um, but he's, like, so ready to believe it, but he's also, like, we cannot prove, like, we will just not be able to prove this. Like, he's so fatalistic about it. Oh, it's wild. Poor Miles. Yeah, poor Miles. (laughs) But, yeah, so, um, they figure out that the bullet must still be inside Von Karma's shoulder, 
Uh, Von Karma's like, no, this is a different time that I got shot, which is wild. And of course, Maya saves the day because um, the bullet that she grabbed when they got tased, they can compare the two bullet marks and prove that it came from the same gun. And Von Karma has a spectacular breakdown, truly worthy of this podcast's name. I think the breakdown is kind of like a callback. This seems like like I'm bragging, but, but I'm not. But seems like a callback of what I mentioned. I think it was in the first episode of like these characters being like boss fights, and this feels like a final boss thing to do, like this kind of breakdown. Yeah, that's so true, actually. You should brag about that point, because that's still, like, one of my favourite things about Ace Attorney now, is, like, the boss fight idea. I thought a lot of people have made that relation, because of how... I mean, I I haven't seen it. Okay. Guess I am bragging a little. <laughs> <laughs> Good. But, I mean, the, the actual breakdown is, is great, because it's not only, like, the animation that is, like, kind of funny as well, because he, he just, like, slams his head against the wall and screams. But it's also, like, like the background is just, like these still images of the Bill 6 case. Oh, yeah. It was really cool to see. Yeah, like, that montage is, it honestly, because it includes that spooky face that I was talking about yeah. earlier, and that's, like, oh, it's in, it's really intense, because it's got, like, that screaming, like, Von Karma bashing his head against the wall, and then, like, the, the image of them, like, in the elevator. Where, see, that Actually, that image is, like, really... Like, I know I talked earlier about how the Pachinko one is, like, way more intense, but, like, that image itself is really intense because it's just, like, Yanni Yogi holding the collar of his shirt, like, looking like he can't breathe. Oh, it's... it's That whole thing is really intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we... So, yeah, basically, Von Karma admits it. He tells the whole story about how he was uh, in the court. He was, you know, penalised for forging evidence we get this like little bit of dialogue with the chief prosecutor who says like i can't cover for you this time because edgeworth gregory edgeworth you know basically proved it in court like you won't nothing will happen to you you still want the case but we'll have to penalize you which is kind of fucked up which is really interesting because the next case has some relevance to that so i will say bear that in mind and yeah, Edric, uh, uh, sorry, Von Karma says that he, like, the earthquake happened, he was, like, wandering around just, like, in a daze for five hours while they were stuck in the elevator. This is apparently a thing that Ace Attorney characters do often. And then he suddenly, like, tried to call the elevator and the doors opened and there was, the three of them were passed out inside and he just saw it as this, no, sorry, of course, of course what happened is that he got shot through the door by Edra <laughs> first. I forgot about that <laughs> yeah. part. Um, and then, yeah, the doors open, everyone's passed out, he shoots Gregory for giving him a penalty. And yeah, what I thought was interesting is that he clarifies that Gregory was unconscious, so when he was channeled, he wasn't lying that Yanni Yogi did it, he just didn't know that Von Karma had done it. Right. Which is, um, which is very interesting clarification. Yeah, and there's also, like, this confirmation of when Miles, like, throws the gun and the gun accidentally, like, shoots Von Karma. He does, like, the same scream he did uh, during, like, the breakdown. Yeah. In the jury, and Miles, like, recognizes it. This has yeah, been the... I think that is important, actually. Yeah. I think he's in something like, uh, that's been the sound that's been stuck in my head for for the last 15 years. So, like, wow. Yeah. I think that's emotionally important for Edgeworth, because if you think about, like, how difficult it would be to believe this set of events that were just told to you, even if, like, Von Karma admits to it, like, I, like I, I feel like in that situation you would always be worried that it was you, but then if you realise, like, you have this evidence in your mind, I mean, especially for Edgeworth, who's like, our proof is everything. 
you have this evidence in your mind that like you know that when the gun went off Von Karma screamed. Although I will say, um, of course Edgeworth is found not guilty of the murder because he didn't do it, but he did shoot Von Karma and apparently he just gets away with that completely fine. Um, which is like, now I would say, well it was an accident and, you know, he was nine and he was stuck in this elevator with no oxygen and stuff. But I don't know how this squares with the talk about how all murder is murder earlier, right? Yeah, but there's also that, I don't know why, maybe it's just implied, but there's not like any scene where they like ap- apprehend Bon Karma after he admits. Is that in any way like told that he just like, that he's f- found guilty basically? Yeah, that's true. And it is important because like, we know that uh, Von Karma has a lot of, like, he can forge stuff and, like, get away with stuff. So actually, now that you mention it, like, it does seem like that could be left open to interpretation whether he actually gets caught at all. But I will say that it never comes up again, so I'm assuming he was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, like, the case basically ends with, like, Miles getting the not guilty verdict. And I was like, okay, fine, there's gonna be, like, something else about Von Karma. And no, he just, like, moves on from that completely, uh, which was Yeah, weird. that's true. Yeah, that is weird. I guess they had a lot to fit in in this in this trial, but we're almost done. Um, Edward, there's just like after court discussion. There's so much like stuff. Um, Edgeworth uh, doesn't know how to say thank you. Maya's like, please just say thank you to Phoenix. I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and he eventually says thank you. And then Edgeworth, uh, sorry, Gumshoe shows up and whoops. And is and Maya's like, that's how you should do it. And Miles tries to whoop and he's like no <laughs> that was embarrassing actually um, which is very funny very cute um, Larry returns Edgeworth's money and it turns out that he was the one who stole it in that class trial and Edgeworth is like yeah duh of course it was <laughs> come on and Phoenix is like losing his goddamn mind uh, there's also this line from Miles to Phoenix where, I don't know what, what he says before, but he's always like, yeah, you were always an insufferable emo- emotionalist. Which is... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like, I don't know. Like, I was just like laughing and take, I think I did, took two screenshots of it. Instead of just one, because it was f- fucking incredible in many ways. It's such a good summary of where their relationship is at right now, where it's like Edgeworth being like, oh my god got her emotions and phoenix being like just completely (laughs) i don't know i don't know he's yeah um edgeworth so i didn't realize this until we were just talking about this in this podcast right edgeworth says i became a prosecutor in part to punish myself now i just want to compare that to what he said earlier which i also wrote down this is from the conversation in the detention center he says that he became a prosecutor because he wants to convict people like Yanni Yogi, who com- who committed murder. Now, that's such an interesting comparison, because if you actually think about it, Edgeworth always thought that Yogi might be innocent, because he thought he did it. So he didn't become a prosecutor to prosecute people like Yanni Yogi, he became a prosecutor to pr- prosecute people like himself. Fucked up. <laughs> um, you remember last week, two weeks ago, I was talking about... Uh, whether we should play Ace Attorney Investigations or Apollo Justice yeah. next. I think we have to play Ace Attorney Investigations because the whole of Ace Attorney Investigations, so this is the this is the spin-off that star- stars Miles Edgeworth, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole of it is about, it's set right after the trilogy, whereas Apollo Justice is set seven years later. Ooh. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So obviously, we still have the rest of the trilogy to get through. But the whole of Ace Attorney Investigations is about Miles Edgeworth deciding whether he should stay as a prosecutor, or whether he should become a defense attorney, or whether he should do something else, and thinking about what it means to be a prosecutor. Um, and it just... I, I just feel like it goes on from his journey through the trilogy, especially in this game, so well. And chronologically, it comes next. Um, I really feel like we should do it in that order, even though even though it's not release order. I'm a full for the Windy chronological order instead. Yeah. I just... I, it just... I, I can't stand it. I need, I need to get into this game. Two games that are just about my <laughs> <laughs> After playing this case, I was like, fuck, I need to do it now. But like, they are, you can't play them before you finish the trilogy, but still. I think it also makes more sense. Because, I mean, Apollo is like a different thing altogether, right? From what I gather. Yeah, I mean, it says seven years later, um, and it start, and you play as Apollo. Um, Phoenix is in it. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, it is... Um, like you can pick up Apollo Justice and you can just play it without having played the trilogy. Whereas Ace Attorney Investigations fits in with the trilogy. Like it's a spin-off from the trilogy. And it just feels to me like that you should play it right after because then you, you have all this in your mind, you know? Right. Yeah. And I like it a lot more. I mean, I like Apollo Justice and actually I'm, I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in it, especially, but oh my God, Ace Attorney Investigations is so important to me, especially Ace Attorney Investigations 2, which a lot of people haven't played because it was never officially translated. So I think I've already decided. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have literally been thinking about it this whole time though. Um... Like, it just makes a lot more sense to me. The only reason to do it the other way around is just because of release order. But that doesn't... I don't think that's a good reason. Yeah. Anyway, we have a tiny bit more of this case to talk about, which is that Maya leaves, um, like I mentioned earlier, and she talks about how she wants to do more training. And, like, I think that she should do more training if that's what she wants to do. But, like, she was genuinely the best, like, most effective person in this game, at least after Maya di uh, Mia died, right? She just deserves so much more credit. Like, just one final time, I want to get that in there. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. And uh, you show her the bullet to be like, look, you got this evidence and um, we needed it for the trial. It was really important, which which that's a good thing for Phoenix to do. I'm glad he did that. Finally. Yeah. Right. We get around to it. I mean, it. it was late, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. The actual phrase that comes up is show Maya some evidence to cheer her up. And it's literally like, here's a bullet that's, that killed somebody, <laughs> <laughs> which is like just the phrase that got that made me laugh. And then... Phoenix is like, so my story ends. And it's like, well, actually, no, they added another case. <laughs> um, but we get credits, which I forgot. I thought the credits were after this. I have forgotten about the credits entirely. I thought it was just like the picture alone. Yeah, the credits of the of Ace Attorney games are like really good because they always have these little uh, like epilogues for the characters. Uh... I wrote last minute Cody being a piece of shit, which is that he's really into the Pink Princess, but at one point he snuck into the studios and saw Will Powers and was like, oh, the person in the Pink Princess suit is ugly. And I was like, shut the fuck up, Cody. <laughs> I like your, your impression of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my generic, like, I know that I did exactly the same voice last week when I was doing Phoenix being like, slow news day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my generic person being annoying voice. Um, you've written Meyer and Penny? Yeah. Uh, I think I looked away for that. Can you tell me what happens? Like, Penny shows up and I was like, oh, Penny, that's cool. And, like, the only thing she says is like, 
oh yeah, Maya sent me a letter talking about like some curious fact about the place she's staying in in the mountains. And I was like, huh, what's going on here? And I, I actually like just wrote it down to like ask you if that was like a thing or it was just like something that happened there and most people like didn't pay too much attention to it. Yeah, no, I completely forgot. I um the thing about these credits, and this has always gotten me, is like um they just scroll automatically, and I always end up missing something because I always just look away for a second, and then I'm like, oh fuck. Um, so I honestly completely missed that. But I love the idea of Maya and Penny being friends. I'm so glad that we got that as like a little resolution, especially because like we did so much Maya Faye defense, and then we also like I went so hard on loving Penny. Like those two characters are definitely like. <laughs> They're like two of our most beloved characters, so I'm glad that they get to... I hope that they get to hang out and be friends. <laughs> I like that epilogue feel of like characters from mm-hmm. various cases mm-hmm. as it's well. It's great. And yeah, it was very emotional. Like I was there sewing and looking at the screen and I was like, ah, fuck, the game got me again. It's so good. Um, And then we just have like this final image, which they haven't in most of the games, I think. And they're always so like, like you said, it just like, it wraps things up so well. Um, This is one that was supposedly taken by Lotta. Um, and I have four notes on it. So Lotta took this picture at the end of the trial and it's got like Maya, uh, Phoenix, Edgeworth, Gumshoe, and Larry like celebrating the end of the trial. And um, one thing that Lotta says is like, oh, I've become a, a, a paranormal photographer now because there's a ghost in the background of this picture and like the thing is you're supposed to not take Lotta seriously because like her whole thing was gaudy but like there is a ghost in the back of the picture it's Mia yeah. <laughs> like she's literally there um so I think that's very funny I think that Lotta should get to like publish an expose on like the Faye family and be like hey it was real not even like an expose but like the Faye family deserves to be taken seriously as well <laughs> it would be good for both of them yeah that should be a uh, uh, like a spin-off yeah, exactly. Um, second thing is that Maya has a sign that says victory. I don't know when she made that, but I love the idea of her just like painting it while they're in court. Like, look, I've just got to get this ready. <laughs> uh, three, Edgeworth is smiling. Extremely important. That's all I have to say about that. Four, um, I never thought about this before, but I always thought that it was just a headcanon that um, when... You know when you win a trial and it says, like, not guilty and then, like, confetti falls down? I've seen people talk before about how that was gumshoe throwing confetti. But in this picture, he's actually holding a bowl of confetti. So apparently it is canonically gumshoe. Which is very funny and strange. I kind of noticed that. I was actually going to, like, actually make a note because every time it happens, it just makes me laugh. Picturing that happening in real life like someone throwing fucking confetti and everyone cheering up it was especially funny in this one because like edgeworth gets found innocent twice and it happens both times yeah and the first time like the first time it's like confetti and then edgeworth is immediately like no i killed my father <laughs> and then the second time like we've just gone through this immensely emotional thing where von karma's like i shot your dad right in front of you like it's so intense and then it's like confetti <laughs> <laughs> like it's so much and i mean in this case it kind of makes sense it kind of makes sense for it to be gumshoe because like edgeworth is his friend or at least he was like defending him the whole time but in the other cases it's like gumshoe you're supposed to have caught the right person in the first place like i don't know how this fits into that at all um but yeah i mean altogether, this is like a really nice way to finish the game like it wraps it up so nicely which is funny because we have a whole other case to go (laughs) yeah it is weird it feels like such an emotional closure, which it is. I mean, it doesn't diminish it in any way, but it's just like, okay, here's another one. Okay, fine. I'll play it in like two weeks. But yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I think um, I think it might diminish it in some way. We'll talk about this next week, next time. But I feel like um, this is such a like you say, like emotionally, it ties it all together. And then I feel like this next case opens a lot back up again, which is fine because then you go into a trilogy and like presumably at the time they were making the first game, they didn't know that that's what they were going to do. So it this almost feels like a bridge in between games one and two. Right. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I don't remember much about it. So that's cool. Hell yeah. It's, oh, it's got some of my favorite things. So it's going to be good. It is very long. Um, but for the first time ever recording this podcast, I have remembered to write down which parts we're going to play so that I can say them right now. So the case has three days. Uh, sorry, it has four days. <laughs> it's very long. Uh, so we're going to play the the uh, February 22nd investigation, then all of February 23rd, and then February 24th. So it's the third day. It's got, it's the second trial day. Yeah, so it's it's investigation trial, investigation trial is what we're going to be playing. Um, and then we'll open up in four weeks time, we'll have the investigation and the third trial. Because the third trial is very long. Um, obviously, this will be in the show notes, but I wanted to prove that I can be organized once in a while and that I have thought ahead about this. Yay for organization. Yeah. And, um, well, I was going to say by then it'll be 2022, but it's already 2022 when this podcast's coming out, so it's fine. Happy <laughs> 2022, Shay. <laughs> We're going to, yeah, happy, thank you. <laughs> happy 2022 to you. What an exciting new year it is. Yeah. I think that's all. Um, anything to add to this episode, Diego? I think it's... I'm not afraid to say that it's one of the best stories I experienced in games. I had that same feeling when I first finished it the first time. And it still holds true, like, after all these years. It's yeah. really, really good the way it's handled and the way... It, with the very little things it has in terms of, like... I don't know, like, engine or, like, gameplay mechanics or whatever you want to call them. It's always some burning expectations or like adding just just enough to like keep it fresh or like catch you off guard. With like the dialogue, for example, or like the more elaborated breakdown of Ungarma. I don't know. There's like mm-hmm. a lot of cool standouts. Yeah, I re- I really like these characters. I'm really curious to see how it keeps evolving the rest of the trilogy. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Do you want to give me your end of case pun, Diego? I have an end of case pun. So, <laughs> for, for the audience at home, I've been trying to come up with a pun uh, with Miles Edgeworth, of course. I think that's going to have to wait until investigations, which makes more sense. Oh, that's true. Well, you're going to have to come up with, like, that's my excuse. <laughs> Edgeworth puns at that little, so I wouldn't... Oh. Don't make too many promises. <laughs> I just well, did true, my own Because obviously <laughs> other characters are going to be introduced in Ace Attorney Investigations. Okay, okay. Some really good ones as well, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but for this one, uh, <clears throat> the pun is... So, talking about this case specifically, if this Ace Attorney podcast was a podcast about Ace Attorney and romantic comedy films, it would be called <laughs> Alone Game Polly. <laughs> Very good. I wish... Um... I could verbally respond with the moon, the, the quarter moon facing right <laughs> emoji, which is how I respond to this every time it happens in Discord. <laughs> um, but I can't, so that's how I feel emotionally. Everyone should know. Okay. <laughs> well, this was a very, very good case. We talked about it for a very, very long time, but I think it was worth it. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I am excited to get on to uh, Farewell My Turnabout. No, 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 I'm sorry. Rise from the Ashes. Farewell My Turnabout is a future case. This case is called Rise from the Ashes. No turnabouts involved. And we will we will get on that in two weeks. So thank you so much. Um, have a great rest of your day, night. I don't know what time zones are or what time you're listening to this. So I don't know why I started this sentence, but I did. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye. Ma- oh wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut this. Don't worry. Um, oh, I thought you were gonna say like objection. I should have done that. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna object myself. I'm gonna say um, you can find me on Twitter at Jam Costello, J A Y M C A S T E L L O. How about you, Diego? And you can find me procrastinating on Twitter as well at Diego Arguello Sixties. That's Arguello. Great. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Uh, Goodbye. Bye. No idea how I'm going to edit the end of that because that was a mess, but it's fine. (laughs) Uh, Just Uh, leave that to you. It was funny. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Or maybe like the music starts to appear and then it fades out quickly. (laughs) Oh my god. That would actually be really good. Fuck, I might have to do that.